Ever read a book and wanted the main character in the video game you're playing? Ever seen a movie and imagined the villain in your next tabletop campaign? So have we. Have we? Have so, we? Yes, we so have. have. Yeah, we have. Mm-hmm. The Gamer Alchemy podcast will explore how characters from endless fictional settings might be built in different worlds. Want to see Neo in Smash Bros? Hey, we're going to imagine it. And what about Sephiroth and Pathfinder? Let's definitely give it a try. Great. And hey, whatever the combination, we're going to talk the lore of the game to the best of our knowledge, the game design around that, and find the best fit, again, to the best of our knowledge, here on the Alchemy Gamer Podcast. Just kidding. Alchemy Gamer Alchemy Podcast. Yeah. Smooth jazz. Jazz hands. <laughs> Vision, might, guile, and above all else, strength. These tenants are what stand above all in the nation of Noxus. Ever firm, ever unyielding, ever encroaching. Those who survive in Noxus do so by embracing whatever helps each individual rise above the rest. There is no mercy for those that do not overcome on their own. Will you rise above the rest? Welcome to the Gamer Alchemy Podcast. And I'm not clad... I'm Guy Ravenhood Black. But I'm Clad, and I think Scarl, Scarl, why are you feeding me these mushrooms again? Oh, 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 no. <laughs> and I'm Elliot Moose Captain Menge. I am also not Clad, and my impression of Clad is far from what Guy is capable of. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, welcome to the Gamer Alchemy Podcast, folks. As you guys know, we love to take mashups of some of our favorite video games and tabletop role-playing games and try and figure out a way to put them together. And as we hit on last episode, we are doing Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition and League of Legends, specifically the region of Noxus, a fan favorite, if I ever can tell from the Twitter polls that Riot does, and the events that they put on. Uh, last episode, we covered a little bit of the like deep lore of Noxus, some theories about how we might build Katarina, and some ideas of how you could incorporate the entity of Mordekaiser. Discussions on into- the philosophy therein built into Noxus and its counterpart of Demo- it's not Again, I can't. We say it's juxtaposed, and we're not going to get into that discussion again. But like, they're just no. if you're talking Noxus, you have to think about Demacia. If you talk about Demacia, you have to think of Noxus. And we both are deep thinkers, so we tend to get we got a little we got a little caught up in our philosophy last episode. We had, but to, that's we had fine. to do some weeding because we got caught up in it. It's fine, but <laughs> now in this episode, we're focusing on a couple characters that uh, we really are intrigued to either build, like if you wanted to try and build them as a player character, mm-hmm. or if you wanted to kind of form them as one of the NPCs in your campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had a couple, like, backgrounds. I had a few backgrounds, and then some adventure hooks for ideas. So, Elliot, where do you want to start, man? 
Okay, wanna... so let's hit yeah, the, let's let's hit a little bit of lore again because I think there's a bit of lore that we 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 touched on last time, but I think we need to get a little bit more clarification to get into our first character this time. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, within the nation of Noxus, what we discussed was that it is a meritocracy. You are solely based on what you're capable of if you can rise above the rest you will succeed um rags to riches is easily a thing as long as you have the ability to do so might might makes right whether that is might of wit or might of muscle Mm -hmm. Um, or might of magic as well um the three so when the current government of noxus is no it is still an empire but it is no longer ruled by an emperor. It was overthrown by uh, Jericho Swain, Swain being the character from League that everyone knows, and he established the head of the Noxian government to be what is called the Triferix. Each, and mm-hmm. so, Tri, again, three, Ferix, don't know what that means. Uh, guy, you're the one studying Latin, so you can tell me if that means anything. Um, <laughs> well, I know Ix, nope. Now you, I'm not gonna. We're, you almost got me. Go try Any any uh, language nerds out there? If that has anything with a real language, let us know because we are nerdy enough to actually be interested. Um, well, the ix does have a connect. There is a Latin suffix that is ix, like a Beatrix. Like I think. Okay. So yeah, it, it, there's something there. Isn't that I'm normally a feminine? No, no, no. It's not. It, okay. It is. It is. Um. It might be, cause I'm not. This is this this is not an NSFW, but dominatrix. It, when you add tricks on the end of a word in Latin, it is the feminine. So go with this, yeah. Because every besides matrix, uh, every other x ending that I can think of, like bellatrix. Um, I'm suddenly drawing a bellatrix is from Harry Potter. For those of you uh, that don't know. Um, that's what I'm thinking of, but like every oh, dominatrix. Okay, um, we're going on a language tangent that I think, but this I is love a it. Word. Anyway, so Triferix, uh, that is now the center of the Noxian government, and um, that there is one member who each represents one value of Noxus. The three values, mm-hmm. as has been introduced in each of these episodes: vision, might, and guile. Um, now, traditionally, or currently, I should say, Vision is represented by Jericho Swain as mm-hmm. the as the usurper and esta- as the usurper of the former government and establisher of the current one. Yeah, Might Dark Will, which was the emperor beforehand. Correct. Might has always been represented um, by no- uh, Darius, who is the hand of Noxus, um, and then Guile, while suspected. To be represented by the character of LeBlanc, who, spoiler alert, who we're going into, um, is actually unknown who truly does represent, who fills that seat of Guile. But uh, according to at least the League wiki for Noxus, Guile is held by a seat that is just called Faceless. I did say the Faceless. I think that's a little bit more foreboding, but we can drop the the. It's just they are Faceless. Um, but LeBlanc de, would seem to be a natural fit for that seat within the Noxian government. However, she is known to work from the shadows. Those that uh, people that play her in League of Legends know that she is uh, a trickster by magic, 
And so I want to also distinguish, or I say, I'll put a clarifying note before we get too deep into her is because in our conversation with Katarina, we discussed the arcane trickster rogue for Katarina. And I do believe that LeBlanc is a trickster, but this type of consideration, whether she's a player character or an NPC that could be encountered and fought, Rogue is something that should I do not think should be considered for LeBlanc, unless it is a very minor multi-class for some very specific ability you want to give her. Well, I think the thing with Katarina is she was an assassin. Correct. So mechanically, she needs to be able to walk up to somebody and like kill you slit their throat and they die yes the reason we were bringing magic into it is mechanically in dungeons and dragons the easiest way to kind of recreate the like splitting about Mm -hmm. teleportation is through spells or abilities which as i've thought about it you could do you could do the monk and use key points to misty step so the rogue monk yeah the rogue monk multi-class might actually be the better one yeah because then you get that, you get that. So, but with LeBlanc... She is pure I magic. Am, yeah, I imagine her less less focused on a one-shot kill, even though that, like... That's who she is in League. That's what happens. But in lore, I, she is yeah. actually all about more of influencing from the shadows, and her magic is typically illusory. 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 Yeah, she's an enchantress. Yes. Illusory, I would say. I don't know what's right. Yes, I would say that she's kind of like a um, arcane siren. Not really, Ooh. not si- not siren in terms of like she's singing and luring people in, but like sultry. Like she's not. She's yes. also not kind of a. She's not an Evelyn. Correct. Evelyn is hundred percent a like lusty, sultry demon. That actually is her thing. She is. Demon. She is exactly that. Literally a demon. A literal LeBlanc is like not that correct. LeBlanc is might look that, but that is not her. Um, she probably only looks that part, meaning the very attractive, um, scantily clad woman, because it plays into her ability to manipulate people, specifically men, but honestly, also probably women. Um, whether it is through uh, dealing with uh, feelings of attraction or any other kind of psychological manipulation that could go with that kind of look that she has. Um, Every part of LeBlanc is based on being able to influence you to her will. And that is where I actually am a little, this actually kind of just dawned on me. That is actually where I'm more interested in figuring out how you would play as her or play her as an NPC because I would actually not focus too much on her, what she would do in combat. I would build her as with everything that she needs to function outside of combat. In other words, within D&D, she's going to be very breakable in combat. Mm-hmm. Because she is, she does kill people in the lore. And she is an assassin in the game but, of League of Legends. But she doesn't kill them in combat. Correct. She she kills them in like, like there's a way you could do that in D and D where you use your guile, you use your charisma, you do series of charisma rolls, but you have to plan ahead of time, 
and maybe you have access to high grade poisons and you convince them to come to dinner and then you murder them that way. So yes. it's a very non-traditional way, like non-typical way to play D&D, which means as a character, she might fit better into a system like Pendragon or mm -hmm. Traveler or a similar like skill system that isn't as combat focused. So Savage Worlds might have a system or GURPS might have a way to build her a little better because D&D, as much as we love it, tends to be like combat focused yes um but she could in combat though you could build her as an illusion wizard yes like you could just dump all of your spells into illusions now that means if you're playing a a black rose like leblanc you're you're gonna have to put on your creative hat and you're gonna have to let your dm know that you're gonna really be stretching the interpretations of things like silent image and unseen servant and prestidigitation or thaumaturgy which in if you as a dm are not open to these kind of stretches when you are working in an established fictional world loosen up uh <laughs> I, I, i'll say that because one uh, I mean, it's your table, but it yeah. is your yes, I agree. But the reason I say that is because usually, uh, uh, so my first campaign, sorry, the first campaign that I was a player, um, RDM, this is probably a known thing, but I'm just not too much into the commute, the community at large of D and D. But he he operates by the rule of cool. If it's cool, oh, yeah. he's like. I'm going to do everything I can in this very moment to make that happen because that's really cool and I really like it. That's how mm -hmm. my character randomly found that he had met a god. And I made a joke as a player um, of summoning uh, this god to where we were by doing like a Candyman style thing. Like I stared at my reflection in the river and we and my DM told me the player the name of the god. And so I was like, fine, my character goes, Dave, Dave, Dave. Yes, this god's name was Dave. Um, and boom, my, my, my DM was like, why the heck not? Sure, Dave appears. And it was like, oh, we gained access to a god. Um, so that's why I tend to say like... Let the... If you can allow the flexibility to stretch rules, as long as the player also understands you, if you're going to say, I'm not going to let you break that world rule kind of thing, like don't break the setting, I will let you stretch the gameplay. Like if you need to break the gameplay a little, but do not break the setting, I'll allow it because you, that is where I think there's a really great medium in using the rule of cool with any campaign. Yeah. Now, Sorry I'm, about my I'm... sniffles, everybody. I sneezed I mean, and we I, had to I, edit it out. You're not supposed to see that, man. No, I'm kidding. Um, Break the podcast fourth I was, wall. I was just looking up. Um, I was just looking at LeBlanc, kind of reminding myself of some of her lore. She's the one that bound Mordekaiser. So she, she may really she bound Mordekaiser. I was Whoa. just double checking that. She is the sorceress that betrayed him and broke his bounds to this world and sent him into the afterlife. Was that the she first or second been time? Around first time. Hmm. Hmm. Now the way her lore reads, was it her? Was it not her? Does she even know if it's herself? She's lost herself in 
the many faces that she has portrayed over the centuries. Um, she manipulated Borum Darkwill, who mm-hmm. was the leader before Swain. So as much as we've kind of talked about this, maybe the person that you're building is... Now, this might be an interesting way... So one thing we did with with Targon, something that you came up with, Elliot, is like it would be fun to play out the campaign where Aurelian's soul was bound. Mm-hmm. Like that actual bit of lore. Mm-hmm. Now, equally so, it might be really neat to write a story or an adventure where you have a person that wants to play a LeBlanc character and you write the story of her undermining the the Iron Revenant okay. or Mordekaiser. So you do the um, political intrigue. That would be a very political intrigue campaign, but there would also be the maybe gather the elements to bind him kind of aspect too. Which... Well, yeah. So, um, but then like as a as an NPC, she's gold because she's just like this she's just like mordekaiser in that she is very much a manipulator Mm -hmm. so you could almost copy paste her onto a polymorphed green dragon personality wise okay Um, i like what you're thinking and so if you're wanting to do some reskins just play her like a green dragon but she's a human Mm because green dragons are all about manipulation their reading in the player's manual are all about that. And she here's so here's a really interesting piece that talks about the shift of the mentality of Swain that's different from the past. And in her lore, it talks about her always looking for a nemesis. Um now, mind you, Swain gets some of his power from the immortal bastion. Um, the new Grand General was not interested in his own legacy, but the glory of the Empire, and such a man could not be so easily corrupted. After countless centuries, LeBlanc wondered, had she finally found a worthy nemesis? Mm-hmm. So she is a she is known as the pale sorceress across Runeterra. So she's another one of these like god tier entities, but another way that you could play maybe a devotee of hers, again because of the different restrictions around race in D anD D, you could play her as a Kenku, like a human do a human variant, but instead of giving them a normal feat out of the book, give them the Kenku mimicry ability. Which is, if okay. you're familiar with the Kenku, they're little ravens that cannot. I really want to play a Kenku in some uh, in in a campaign one day, because it just sounds like a blast. So Kenku, as a player race, they're variant, like you said. Huh? You said it's a human variant. I'm not familiar with the Kenku. No, 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 no. I Kenku is its own race. Okay. So you can play as a Kenku if you're using Volo's Guide to Monsters. Their gimmick is that you can mimic sounds you have heard, including voices. A creature that hears the sounds you make, 
um, can tell if there were imitations with a successful wisdom check opposed by charisma. Now, what's really funky is in your languages, normally, as a player character, you can speak, read, and write common and some other language, right? As a Kenku, which is a player conversion of a monster, you can only speak using your mimicry. So you can only say things that you have heard. Huh. Okay. Just thinking about that as a player mechanic for anybody. like, oh, well, for, Okay. Separate this for a moment just from applying it to LeBlanc. Tangent. Um, go. Yeah. This would be a hilarious, almost like comedic effect on a campaign. Like... Um, I had a campaign where one of my characters was a sentient hat that had li- at the vi- like literally the mo- the starting moments of the campaign was the were the moments that this gut thing became into ex- its sentience, and um, I'm like trying to think of like, huh, that would be really funny to apply to them. Like, hey, you are a sentient hat and you have mimicry and you can only say what you've heard. So then, like the players, like I have to keep track of every freaking thing that I've heard. Yeah. Now I would probably give them a little. Well, I guess you couldn't do it with the hat. But oh like, no, I would I have had someone. I would be the punisher in that. I'd be like, yes. Like for instance, um, well, I would give them maybe two or three phrases that they heard before the game started. Phrase one, yes. Um, I'm yeah. I I'm I tend to be. That would be fun. When it comes to certain choices narratively, I sometimes will make, like, if my players say something, I'll be like, you now must commit to that. For instance, I had a barbarian who, in his backstory, he said, uh, it was a very, like, it was like a a first time attempting, like, a pretty solid backstory. And they said, Mm -hmm. like, my father died. And after my father died one day, I... Uh, drank some tea and I felt rage and that's and so I was like from now on you must drink tea in order to rage <laughs> I oh was like simply because you put it in your backstory and so it became like a really funny running joke it's like we're in the middle of this intense battle I pull out my tea yes <laughs> it was great <laughs> um, I, well those are the little things that make an adventure unique and fun and goofy yeah no and so yeah, I would and I would definitely like be the the DM who's like yeah, you got to keep track of what you hear. Have fun. Ha ha ha. And then I would I would just love to see how creative they are. Like, okay, I obviously can't write down everything I'm going to do or everything I've ever heard. So what do I write down that I have heard that I can manipulate? Um, there you go. And that yeah, would be super it, fun. Yeah. And so now the human variant is a particular human race that you can build a character out of. Probably the most... Uh, easily abused because you can do the 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 vanilla human which is a plus one to all abilities and i think two other little features Mm -hmm. but if you do the human variant basically what you do is you get a plus one to one ability and a plus two to another ability and then you can pick a feat yes like you get to pick a feat yes um so you could take mimicry as your feat now with tasha's cauldron you get a lot more variability with like creating unique backgrounds and individual character races so with that customization i think it's really easy to build a devotee of the black rose who has gotten her like who has trained their mimicry 
and have something like the disguise self spell. So go bard, go illusion mm-hmm. wizard, take disguise self at level one or two, whenever you can get it. And then bam, you just disguise self, walk up, use your mimicry. Use your mimicry. I got the hiccups if y'all can't tell. All right, everybody. We're apologizing uh, for just being human this episode. Um Sorry. <laughs> um, anyway, so that would be a way that you could do a devotee of yeah. LeBlanc. Yeah. Yeah. I like this. I like it a lot. Anything more we want to do with playing with LeBlanc as a concept, or we want to move to Swain or whatever our other characters or champions were? I think our philosophy of not laying every detail out of how to play a character is fulfilled. Um, you as players or DMs take it further and create the character you want to play. Um, so the next one, we've referenced him a lot. and this oh, is, Are we doing it? Uh, it's, let's figure are this out. Are we doing it's, him? It's just because... Um, Oh gosh. Okay, let's just let's just knock these two out of the way because we're gonna spend a lot of time. I feel like we're gonna get caught up in the fun of this character. And which is Darius great. is really freaking easy. He's a barbarian or a massive fighter that fights with a huge axe. Yes, boom. That's Darius. That's why Swain, we didn't want to really talk about Darius. Yeah. Swain is some kind of warlock, maybe a hex blade or like ain't like old one. Mm-hmm. And they're the, really straightforward. And there's two things that I would say for Swain based on his league gameplay is that if there's some kind of spell that can not illuminate, but reveal specifically reveal, not illuminate. Um, right. I would give him that. And um, he takes scry at level five. Yes. And then some kind of very dramatic looking, I guess I'll say lifesteal spell because that's kind of what his ultimate does in league. Just a thought. That's kind of like like the, I think the scribe one is a little more. Yeah, with yeah, you'd have to probably do it with an item though. Yeah, yeah, and I'm I like, think there's an which we've done before. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's all we want to say easy. on them. It's very easy. Do do like an AOE type, maybe once or twice use item per day. It's gonna have to be legendary or something, and yeah. then um, yeah lifesteal or whatever so anyway to the more interesting person that you were about to um yeah 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 feed i own you like you said it'll be fine you said um gosh so we have referenced this character of cled across these two episodes and it is for those of you who do not know league lore so he is just like this like backcountry redneck nut job who for some reason was given this crazy lizard horse and who is obsessed crazy with battle lizard. like well okay so let me if I, let me see if i can remember a little bit about what he is he was a general in noxus so he legitimately earned his rank because might makes right and he is Oh, crazy. It, it, this is also, it's also very important to note. We haven't said this, or we haven't encountered any characters like this in Pilt, or not, what, in Targon, because, oh my gosh, there's no Yordles in Targon. Um, Yordles are. There a, aren't any Yordles in Targon. I know. Uh, 
gosh, that is narrative potential for some really think about it. That would have to be probably the most it's because serious. Timo has ruined their chances. Well, they've no. been cast out of the celestial skies because it he's is Timo's just, fault. Oh, it's gosh. everything's Timo. But he would no, if there was a Targonian Yordle, it would have to. And let's explain Yordles. Yordles, gosh, in yeah, the, sorry, in the world they of just, Runeterra, are these. You, on first glance, if you saw a group of Yordles, you would probably describe them as rodent-like humanoids. Um, the best way to describe them is bipedal, furry, Please sentient, mag- magical creatures. Let me tiny. If, if, if we're gonna if we're gonna equate it to something in real life lore, they are the pixies and fairies yes. of irish myth or or um celtic myth they are mysterious they flit in and out they can be mischievous you do not mess with them yeah they they have an air like they're revered by the superstitious they are very magical very the leprechauns so pull all of these pieces from celtic lore when you're thinking about yordles and and you're hitting it right very small, very powerful, magical, mysterious, playful, um, whimsical, all come to mind. Yes. Uh, and, until you, till we get to Cled. Cl- Cled. Um, he's he's a nut job, like I said. Um, but he is so yeah. So he's a Noctian general. But the unique thing about him as a Yordle is that he has a a it's been a while since i've looked at scarl he has a mount and you would just say that it's a walking lizard uh uh what's the the frill lizard it looks like a um i think they're called jesus lizards um but that's not their technical name there's frilled lizards from australia I think it's probably the the mm-hmm. the inspiration for them. Yeah. But they look like um if you watch Jurassic Park, the poison spitters. Yes, without arms. He's got he with, Scarl is two legs with the frills, no arms. Yeah. And if I remember correctly, um Cled and Scarl like they love each other. Not like romantically. They just love each other. Like as much as like a dog loves its I don't human. Know. Yeah, like it is. It is so funny, and and he is just a Cled himself is just a crazy guy. Um, his cinematic, which is on YouTube and uh, the League of Legends Universe website, um, which is where we pull most of our information regarding League um, and explore most of this lore to decide these things. Um, but it is just this hilarious thing about how Cled and Scarl like got separated on a battlefield and they just are casually just destroying everyone around them so they can get back together. <laughs> I think it's fair to say his his epithet on the universe and as a champion is the cantankerous cavalier. And if you haven't told from some of our impressions of him, he is it, just as a character in League is his hysterical to listen to yes um the 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 opening paragraph of his lore is is a great summary legends of the popular folk hero cled can be traced back to the founding of noxus and perhaps even further still 
He's an icon revered by the common soldiery, which is increasingly a cause of concern to their commanders, for there are some among the war hosts who claim to have literally served beside him. Tales such as the great Hussar's victory, the return of the high general marshal sergeant, and the mountain admiral abound, which strongly imply Kled has fought in every campaign ever waged, acquired every military title, and never once backed down from a fight. Though the details are often outlandish and contradictory, the essence of the tale remains. Charging into battle on his untrusty steed, Skarl, Kled fights to protect what is his and takes whatever else he can get. So Skarl is not brave <laughs> at all. Mechanically in the game, he will run away and come back as your champion's health increases and decreases. But he always will come back to his faithful Kled. But his lines are hysterical. I don't know how you build this entity. So this is this is probably going to be our first moment where I say let's just like spitball a homebrewed player character because I would not want to leave this as an NPC. I would want to figure out how the heck to play this, partially just for the role play. Um, like. Whenever you want me to do a voice line of his, I have them pulled up. You just give me a signal and I'll read one randomly. Go. Would you stop bitching at me for a minute? Come on. <laughs> I love this. Um, so, okay. I actually... I've, he does curse, by the way. Sorry, folks, if that offends you. I'm, I, di- I actually did a very similar... I did a very interesting mechanic for this. Mm-hmm. Um in a campaign. So the same campaign that I mentioned where I had that hat, um, that sentient hat. Uh, so what? how that character worked in the D&D campaign was after it gained sentience, it kind of freaked out like, oh, I'm alive. What are these people doing to me? And it and it literally like just like... Th- Please like, tell me he was saying that as someone was putting him on its head and his mouth got garbled. No, it, it fled the moment that it was created and gained sentience. It fled, literally like jumped out a window. And then the first sentient being that it saw... Remember, this is also a high school campaign. Um, but it saw this okay. kid walk into school and it went and latched onto this kid's head. And what the player didn't know was that that, that also killed the kid. <laughs> But, oh, but... <laughs> please tell me it possessed him and he was just walking around with a meat puppet. Oh! That's exactly what I did. And so... um, What system was this? I, I made it up. And so this my player and I worked this out. He goes, so what happens if I run out of hit points? And I go, here's what I'm going to do. I'm, I said that your only racial feature because as a race he was this hat his as his D race he was this hat what's said, my race hat. i said your racial feature is that Subclass you bowler. i said you have a separate health pot health bar than yeah. the body you are possessing so while mm-hmm. while he is possessing this body he would function the exact same as and in this case he was a cleric he would function the exact same as any other character that's a cleric but the moment that hit this character hits zero health points, there's no death or saving throws because that body is dead. So now he is just the hat and he needs to find he'll survive without a body, but he'll do better with a body. 
And so he has a significantly reduced health bar, like a much smaller one. I think like if if you're if his character had 36 health points, then when he dies, he have or when the body dies as a hat, he has nine or something like like a quarter of whatever it was. Yeah. And so he has nine health points. And if he loses those, then there are death saves. And sure. so that lasts until he finds another body. And there's got to be a role or something that well it's to possess the other person. So you could, I hadn't gotten that far because I was just going to kind of allow it to happen. Like if he okay. chose, cause if he chose to do one of the, I was waiting just as if that had come to it, that campaign kind of fizzled out. But if he had come to it, he could technically choose just to take one of the other player characters over and that character's dead. Oof. And I was praying for an opportunity where it's like, here's an NPC, here's a player, make your choice. Make your choice. And I'm like, oh my goodness. because in that moment, all of the, like, he did, we did really well at keeping it a secret from the other players. And so, um, like, every once in a while, I would be like, hey, do a perception check. And he knew what I was doing and no one else did. And I'm listening to you. I'm just reading Cled's story as I listen. And so, as yeah. a mechanic for Cled, I did not remember this. Again, I don't know why I don't think of these things until we're actually talking about them. I'm a verbal processor. That's probably why. But as a mechanic Excellent. for Cled... and I are going to make a great podcast because we're both verbal processors. Perfect. I'll get us in trouble, too. As for Cled, though, that is actually a mechanic that could work in a, like you'd have to fashion it in a in a in a different way, but Cled has a significantly smaller health bar because if you I and this is a moment where I would say I would want to stick I would want to take league gameplay and actually apply it to D and would want to make Scarl the one who's taking the damage, but there are things that can make Scarl run away, and Cled is left a whole lot more exposed, and he has to do something to get Scarl back. In league, it's damaging other people. Well, that's it. It's minions yeah. or hitting. Um, it's showing bravery. Cops. Yeah, and that's essentially what it was. If you are killing someone or you are damaging someone who's really strong, that's going to instill courage back in Scarl for him to run back to your aid and be your shield again. And yeah. well, uh, you know that we don't have to do something totally new. The reworked ranger class makes um, Beastmaster much more viable because okay. your animal levels up with you and people already do this if you play one of the small races gnome uh gnome or uh halfling mm -hmm. you can get a creature that is technically large enough to carry you so it's just a matter of home brewing a small yordle like race mm -hmm. or just use something like the lightfoot halfling or the stout halfling, and then just reskin it as Cled the Yordle, and then pick a equivalent CR creature like a raptor, because you can have a wolf or a, a or a dire wolf. I would recommend a... something a little tanky because Scarl is known to soak stuff up. Well, that's where you might have to do a little bit of the homebrew, right? Um, and look at what kind of creature can I use? Let me go see here. Let me pull up Ranger because Ranger gets a lot of Ranger gets a lot of crap. 
So if you then, if you uh, are one of those people that don't like Ranger, uh, you can feel free to multi-class instead of appreciate things in their purity. I'm just kidding. Well, I, I, well, I think I think there's some merit to it, but I don't know that it's because Ranger is a bad class. I think it's because most campaigns are not going to lean into what a ranger is designed to do. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. So I think that's why it gets more, more issue than, than, than others. Right. Now it's, you can choose a beast that's no larger than medium and has a challenge rating of four or lower. So... And I, and it looks like D and D Beyond has doesn't have the updated ranger. Now there's a Drake Warden, where you get a Drake companion, which is a small dragon, that eventually becomes a Drake mount at level seven. So you would play Cled, who found Tiny Scarl. I'm and looking when this they up. Become, yeah, like so it's idea. out of Fizzbands. So Fizzbands released a subclass to Ranger, which is Drake Warden, which gives us the tough dragon-esque Scarl. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get, at level three, you get a Drake Companion. They're small at level three, but at level seven, they grow large enough to get wings. They grow to medium size reflecting your bond you can use them amount if your size is medium or smaller um you can't fly while you're riding it at level seven um and then at and then maybe maybe you can multi-class into fighter or barbarian from level seven would be my thought Mm -hmm. um now the issue though is at level 15 with drake warden they become large drakes and I then think, well, what I they would have do with reflective that, resistance. I well, okay. What I would do with that is just don't do the size change in the in the character itself and the creature itself. Just take all the benefits and keep the size the same. Force. I mean, yeah, you could do that. I for sure. And the difference is, it's still at level fifteen. That's when they get. The flying, they could still. I don't know that they would fly, but maybe at fifteen you give them even more damage, or you give a speed boost since you're not going to take the flying. That's what I would do. Do the speed boost because I mean, if you watch Scarlet Game, that 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 ball can run. I mean his his alt is literally charging down the lane. Scarl, Scarl, what you running for? Get back here! Scarl! <laughs> oh my goodness, Scarl! Probably blowing the the listeners' ears out. Sorry, we just shut your mouth hole. Them badgers are listening. What's the mushroom? Of course, line you again? realize this means war. What's the uh, what's the mushroom line again? There's like three mushroom lines. Um, you know, I like you, brother, much as I can like a lily livered jungle sniffer. Um, let's see. Let's let me just do a control F mushroom. This is just my Mushrooms favorite. are healthy once you get used to the madness and paranoia. That alone encapsulates so much. Like it's like it's like, oh, that explains I'm, it. <laughs> I'm gonna read all four of them. Damn it, Scarl, you had my mushroom juice again. No, it's when I don't drink the mushroom juice that I have a problem. 
I gotta stop the mushroom juice. I swear that girl had some tentacles or something. Oh god. Specifically referring to his killing Alawi. Oh my goodness. So he only says that when he kills Alawi. He's just so he's so good. Yeah. Um so yeah, that's uh, that's I think those are I think kind of all three of those. Um I do like your ideas better. Um Yeah, we'll just redo that bit. Well, no, like wrap that thought up on Scarrow and we'll go over to Adventure Hooks. Gotcha. Okay. So let me note that real quick. That's going to be 104. Wait, wait. Um, 101. 20-ish. Uh, redo of break. Um, okay. Yeah, I think any of those three ideas uh, could work just depending on what you'd prefer to do. I actually do like the... Uh, dragon warden the best now that i know that that's a thing i really like that <laughs> subclass so um yeah no let's take a quick break before we uh talk about our last uh, idea that we actually haven't discussed listeners um and uh then we'll wrap up noxus for now yep and welcome back uh so this last little segment here we're going to touch on a couple adventure hooks that we had and i had like we might kind of workshop a few neat few backgrounds the only background that's unique to noxus is this concept called the war mason which in short is a person that goes out and scouts but when we talk about some of our different hooks um We'll get into that and what you might do if your background as a player character was or is a war mason. So, um, yeah, Ellie, I'm going to throw the ball over to you. Was there anything, when you're thinking of adventures that you would set in, now we're talking, I think it's neat to think in terms of the three tiers of character play. So we have levels one to three, which are like just kicking off. Or no, I'm sorry, I always get this backwards. I think it's one to four is local heroes and then levels five to 10 are heroes of the realm. And then 10 to 17 are masters of the realm. And then 17 to 18 are like masters of the world. I will double check that, but what are some, what are some adventure hooks that you think would be fun in a Noxus setting? I think Noxus, Noxus just has a lot of potential for all of those. Like, you do have your world-ending settings with creatures, beings like Mordekaiser. Um, just uh, for League fans who are familiar with the Frail Yord, the Watchers are very much... I feel like Mordekaiser is akin to the Watchers. These, these people that have faded even from myth, it seems... And yet, are mm. but are but they are lurking. They have yeah. power, and they, if if something lets them loose, they will ruin. Um, and so, like, I think that if you wanted to focus on a world-ending campaign, that seventeen to twenty, Mordekaiser is what you're going to want to build it around. Um, I think we've talked enough on that, but um, mm -hmm. doubling back down to the very beginning. Um, I think that if you were to create a campaign around Noxus where you have some bottom-of-the-barrel characters mm -hmm. 
rising through the ranks. Like, I think that would be, a, it's a fantastic military setting. And so it's like, you are just starting off, you are trying to prove your worth and you all are put together and it's like, all right, look here. <laughs> Maybe it's Cled. Look here, you bunch of nobodies. I ain't got no trust in you and Scarl ain't either. Scarl ain't eating off your plate and that's saying something. So you folks have got everything to prove. So you see that thing over there? I want you to go kill it, go. Like. Maybe that's like the start of the setting. You have no chance to get to know each other. Oh it's God. just you're all suddenly assigned and told to go do something just to start proving your worth. And so like thrown into a combat encounter and then it's immediately like, ah, oh, you guys got some skill. Well, welcome to Noxus. You know, like, yeah, I can see well, that. He's not a Noxian. So that would be interesting because you'd be fighting against Noxus. He, oh, he does, he's, he's not a, he's saying. not an ally to anybody. You're right. He thinks he is the rightful heir to the Noxian throne. He, well, then I guess. Uh, so, yeah, that idea was just like you're in it the could Noxian be going army. against him. Yeah, maybe it's like his, Darius his says, go take craft. care of that old coot. Yeah. There's a there's a rogue in the northern regions. Take your war. So it would be like a war because one of my ideas was a war mason scout party. I like it. So like you are a group of five war mason scouts, and you have to go prep a region for invasion. Yeah. So you could go prep Cled's region for invasion, or pick any of your other settings if you mm -hmm. really like playing in Sharima, or you really like playing on the edge of the Frailyord. Mm -hmm. Or or Ionia, like you get to play a little bit in that region. You just play as five or four or five war masons, depending on the size of your party. Yeah, you have to scout. You have to figure out weaknesses. I mean, there's room for raiding. I mean, there's still tons of room for combat there. I would say that most, if you if you are Noxian in your campaign, I would say that your one through four has to be starting in the military. And then mm -hmm. it's after level four that the war mason concept comes in. And okay. that's when you start working in some political intrigue. Maybe one through four, you're learning about the world. DMs, you get to kind of put the frame of reference for your players. And that sets up the five through ten campaign where you are going and prepping some other land to be invaded. Gathering information, going on quests for that's the locals good. to build trust and things like that. And then this would be, this is where I would love it for the storytelling after level 10 the invasion and you have to turn on these people that you as players have come to know and have knowingly like and remember in this world noxus is an invasion force these other lands all have their own merits and there's a reason why that philosophical struggle that we discussed about how noxus while virtuous doesn't carry it out in the way that everyone's going to agree with. Yeah, like you... Brutal expansionists. That is putting you as role-playing players at the point where it's like, oh my gosh, do I actually... Like, I, like as the DM, maybe you've made these NPCs in this place that's being invaded the most lovable, awesome people. And you're having your players set it up for invasion. And the plot is they will be invaded and they will be conquered. You as the DM know that, but maybe your players are like, you know what? No, we, we are not for this invasion anymore. We're going to stand with them. We're going to take it over. And then the story becomes less of a, okay, we've set it up for invasion. How well is it going to happen? To now the odds are going to be overwhelmingly against the players as they try to defend this place and create the stalemate that the Frailyord is for Noxus. Yeah. Like, 
That's uh, really good. I like that. It's a really fun choice because there are some instances like you know, I think for me, my first thought when that comes up is like, ah, it's going to be so hard for me to want to be on the side of Noxus as a Noxian because mm-hmm. the, there's the part of me that's like, no, you should never just conquer. But if you can play it right, even in the lore, it talks about there are groups and people. And I think this is going to rely heavily on how you pitch Noxus because even in the lore, it talks about kingdoms and peoples and regions willingly coming to Noxus because of the stability it offers. Right. Like there's a legitimate, the, the there's a legitimate piece to the Noxian Empire where we suffer out here in the Frailyard, or we are, we are suffering under this other king here in Runeterra. But under Noxus, everyone gets a chance. Yep. Everyone. So, yeah, but I yeah. like that. Starting in the military, working your way up into maybe the maybe the one through four is some arena fighting and military training exercises. I like the idea of, like, you going against these league champions to, like, just test your skill. Like, Draven is a known gladiator. And so, like, maybe the one through four, the 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 boss of levels one through four is you end up, like, the final arena fight is versus Draven. And Ooh, he, that's he, cool. even if you beat him, he's letting you win for the show. And he's like, ah, good kid. You know, like, like I can imagine, like, that'd be really fun. That would be super fun. As a yeah, and then fan. And then he passes your name up to his brother, Darius, who puts you into depending. Now, you could do all kinds of, you could go really hardcore and track how well they did. And based on how much damage and how well they fought, they could get into the Trifarian Legion, or they just get put into another like War Masons party mm-hmm. or whatever. But yeah, that would be really neat. So then you go invade and you prep. What what is the? Because there there are the there's Heroes of the Realm is five to ten. So five to ten you said was prepping, and then levels eleven to sixteen. Is that the invasion you were saying, or yeah. was five in yeah. the invasion? Because I can, because levels five through ten is where you're, like you're kind of having to have a presence in the place that you're invading, but you're just keeping it a secret that that's why you're there, that you're prepping it for whatnot. So you're like building trust with the locals, you're learning their customs, you're helping them out to be able to, so people open up and learn more. But then when the invasion comes, that's when the odds are ramped up. That's when it's you're making the tough choice. Do we betray these people that we've come to know and possibly love? Or do we still rally with Noxus and crush these people because of how well we've gotten to know their ways and we beat them? Yeah, or have we convinced most of the... Because the way you also could end up seeing it play out is politi- they convince the- most of the population that it is in their... It is a, to their benefit the diplomatic to route. come underneath it. But then, I mean, the way that you still get to have the cool fight is that you just have a rogue group. There's always going to be the group mm-hmm. that's like, no, we're this. And they like, if you, again, we mentioned it last episode, but if you look up the Legends of Runeterra Noxus introduction, it's that scene. It's mm-hmm. the last holdouts in a fortress. Darius kicks in the door and there's a choice that has to be made. Yep. That So you could assault a fortress. You could have the last stand of the the rebels there's a lot of, that sounds man elliot i want to play everything we've talked about oh 
another podcast that our players are not <laughs> where we tell our players you're not allowed to listen to our other podcast you're not allowed to listen to the game podcast Elliot, this needs to explode so that you and I can just do League of Legends, D&D, and gaming. And all we do is run these stories with our friends live for people. You hear it, listeners. Share this with your friends. Share it with your League nerds. Share it with fantasy nerds. Share it with people who are having a gun held to their head. Rate do not hold a gun to their head. Um, rate, subscribe, leave reviews. Help it. Uh, that helps any, any algorithm put something out there. Um, Please. <laughs> no yeah, yeah yeah so what about what do you think for 11 to 16 that's the invasion we get the turn and then and then i think the 11 to 16 i don't think that that entire time is just the invasion i think half of like 11 well the to... invasion you start to have to deal with the political crap back in noxus correct who's going to rule this part of the world and, and that's that when transition you to the that is dealing when I... with Kyle yes. and mordekaiser yes right? And the reason that, that that would play out that way is because I think any political intrigue is always going to have, like, secrets being revealed and things like that. And so you just make the encounters that they have to go through, like, oh, no, this general is wanting to betray us. And then you're like, okay, so we're going to – we're back in the capital, so we're going to – go hunt down that person and as you're killing them they reveal some deep dark secret like oh my gosh like the faceless is actually the ancient being of leblanc well now we've got to look into leblanc and then you discover maybe leblanc is serving to raise mordekaiser once again or um because she's the one that sealed him who knows like have fun with it because this is your you you will get into lore that is not as of january 22nd 2022 written officially in the league of legends universe right um and that's where you just get to have fun with it. Develop it as you will. If your players are just wanting more Noxian action, great. Go for it. Noxian action? Yes. It sounds like an extraordinary part of the world. That is. It is a wonderful world. Here we have broken blades. We have guns and blades. We have blades on guns. We have spinning blades. We have guns that spin. We have women that spin and throw daggers everywhere. We have a lizard that spins and we ride it into battle. It's all fancy and fancy for it. This is extraordinary. Yeah. Well, I like that. What? So that gets to when that the part that gets me really excited as a DM and that is coming up with some of the monsters because you get to go through some really fun. You get some straight up berserkers and barbarians down at the lower levels. You get some real you get to play with maybe some really neat, crazy knights. Mm -hmm. Some real you could do some because the one 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 main feature uh oh cats have the zoomies um one of the main kind of iconic pieces of the trifarian legion or the noxian armies is that they're not in a uniform dress every warrior is unique so you get to pull in some of these really cool moments like you see in the odyssey and the iliad and ancient literature where like the one warrior whose name everyone knows ajax or diomedes like Hmm. appears on the battlefield and you are that warrior or you have to go fight them and they have some fun gimmick so you can give a lot of funky weapon gimmicks fun mechanics to bandit captains as as like sheets. well one of the first people and we didn't talk about her um, but she would definitely be a monster that i would want to put into a combat situation she is related to Noxus. She's also related to Sharima, another region that we yep. have yet to explore. Is Cassiopeia. She's half woman, half snake. 
Um, and isn't it, wasn't it due to a curse? I it was know. due to a curse. She was, I think that one of the cinematics, or, or no, no, no. She was helping Siver. Siver? And she betrayed Siver on this thing, and she got cursed or something, Marada. Like, it's a, it's, I mean, it's just, she's a snake woman. Boom. She's got venom. She's, she, what's, she's the Medusa of League of Legends. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she'd be one that you could look at. There's probably Medusa builds. Um, that you could work it around. Um, and this is something that I just thought of, and I should do it for I should look into it for a little bit more research. But monsters in the League of Legends universe are actually a whole lot more accessible than you think. Mm-hmm. First off, in League of Legends, there are the jungle camps. You can use raptors, you can use the red buff, blue buff, baron, well, dragons. If you go with the universe website, they actually but, have a small bestiary for each region. But there's another resource that that bestiary might pull from, and that is Legends of Runeterra. There are so I and I am not. I played Legends of Runeterra when it first came out. It is another Riot game. It is a League of Legends game. Um, it is essentially uh, Magic: The Gathering, the Arena, or Magic: The Arena. It's more like Hearthstone. Hearthstone. Um, it's more like Hearthstone. It's just a digital card game, and um, that game has expand. Or I wouldn't even say that it's expanded the lore. I would say that it has fleshed out the life of Runeterra mm, uh, yeah. a lot more thoroughly than anything else that the League of Legends universe has done. Um, game wise, yes. And so I would say pull up a because re- you can look at every single card available in Legends of Runeterra. Um, so look at them, see something and be like, Ooh, that looks cool. I wonder what that could look like. And then just find something that looks comparable in D and D or build mm-hmm. it yourself. I love yeah, homebrewing exactly. monsters because usually if you're homebrewing a monster for your players to face, you're not trying to make it broken. And if it is broken, you as the DM can just be like, Oh, it just suddenly has less health. <laughs> Fancy that mm-hmm. magic. <laughs> um, that's, that's where I would say we should start pulling some ideas for when it comes to league of legends um there's definitely monster ideas in there um, oh yeah yeah for sure and that's where like i mean off the top of my hand when off the top of my head as you get up you get to play with all these cool if you go look at some of the concept art for the original for the for the Noxian warriors, super cool. And mm-hmm. it wouldn't be too hard to, depending on what region you pick, like if you're, if the city you're prepping in and this hook is in Shirima, really easy to flavor that. Yeah. Um, flavor, if if it's Shirima, flavor it in a uh, desert Arabian setting, those types, scimitars, turban, like pick your, your like, yep. classic Arabian sand-esque place if it's the frail yord go viking-esque flavors Mm -hmm. if it's ionia uh we're talking asian martial arts type flavors so wherever however you want to play that that actually might be really cool to do it in ionia like this where you're setting up because that would kind of fall in line with the lore yep um yeah so then when you get I am most intrigued by what happens when you start dealing with the servants of Mordekaiser 
because I'm picturing undead. I'm picturing wraiths. I'm picturing you could have a really neat take on an elder ublex. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I've, I've, yes. For Guile, you could get into some real funky undead aberration stuff with the Black Rose and Mordekaiser. Definitely. Yes. I 100% agree on all those. And then, oh, oh, another character that could be a pretty good quote unquote monster, but they're not a monster. Mm -hmm. They're just, well, they just, yeah, they are. You're a monster. You're a monster. (laughs) Who is it? He's, she's married to <laughs> the Muffin Man. What? Come on. You were, I, I thought oh, that. Oh, I know. Okay, good. I know I'm just confused because I was ready for you to say, she's married to the Monster Man. No, no. I was um, just lost. It's uh, late for it's both so, of us yes. and even later for Elliot. We're kind of losing our minds right It's okay. Now. I had coffee. Um, It's Scion. Scion would be the I other monster alcohol. character that I would... <laughs> We're two di- very different types of stimulants. Um, <laughs> Scion, Scion would be the yeah. other League of Legends character that I would say is a is a great pick for a monster type thing because it's like, mm-hmm. oh, you killed him? <laughs> no, you did not. <laughs> and have fun with that. Um, Revenant, he would be a really neat. You could reskin and tweak uh, a Revenant. Yeah. Yeah. And just make it an insanely powerful revenant or a death knight. He could be a death knight. Wouldn't that Okay, I feel like we're those are almost interchangeable between Mordekaiser and Scion. Maybe not in terms of gameplay, but just in thematic. Thematic, yes. But you wouldn't so you would play this is where well you guys will see in the y'all y'all see in the quick guides like we might say here's Scion so you don't have to completely homebrew it. Play him as a death knight and reskin him with and just describe him as this thing. Right. Or whatever. Right. So. Well, I think that that definitely um, covers what we were looking at for Noxus. So Mm -hmm. um, just to kind of go over things again, in our first episode, we kind of delved into a lot of the dynamic of what makes Noxus Noxus and its residents. Um, We did a deep dive into Mordekaiser, who is a kind of very deep background character who's not directly influencing a lot but is influenced by plenty and has influenced plenty from the foundation of noxus um we also went into katarina but in this episode we looked at leblanc as a trickster a magical trickster um discussed cled and just three different options to play him in the mount build whether it is as a beastmaster dragon warden or a homebrewed mechanic from my campaign of Scarl being a hat. Guess you'll have to re-listen to that one to get that. And Scarl um, is a hat. Just Scarl is a you, hat. How did you run away again, you lily-livered little slime bucket? <laughs> it works. It works so well. And lastly, just a um, a few campaign ideas, just depending on what level you'd like to start at, or maybe a full Noxian campaign. Um, with some Noxi residents and some moral quandaries that you could encounter with political intrigue leading mm-hmm. up to a possible world-ending event. So sure. um, this, uh, this, this is our look at continuing to kind of mix League of Legends and D&D. So um, we, a few last, just last notes of characters that we know we didn't hit. Um, the only ones that are directly related to Noxus would be Riven, Samira, Talon, and Vlad. 
Um, there are some loose connections on some. Some of them are very still direct. Like Samira is obviously Noxus. Um, but we are going to... There's a, ideas for some of them that we're uh, considering for some content in the future. So stay tuned um, for some yeah. personal fav- favorites um, that will definitely show their faces at some point in the future. So, yeah. and, and I mean, even some of them are really easy. If you really like them as a character, um, like Vlad, he's a vampire. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a vampire in mage form. You could do a really, oh my gosh, you could do a really neat reskinning of the curse of Strahd campaign with Vlad as the main villain. And then instead of being set in Barovia, you're set in Noxus. Like, there you go, folks. A whole other campaign in less than 20 seconds. Done. Done. <laughs> All right. Well, um, any other last notes you have on Noxus? Uh, no, I don't. Um, I think I said I don't like that I like them sometimes. Uh I, I have a lot of moral issues with my relationship with Noxus because I main Darius when I play. So, you know, uh, no, I don't. It's kind of fun. These are not intended to be fully, like, fully fleshed out. It is meant to be reviews. either starting points or just ideas to help spur your own imagination. The alchemy yeah. continues in your own laboratory. There you go. Hopefully you find some gold out of the wee bits of lead we put in your hands i'm gonna i'm gonna say that that was uh, a tagline that we can work on <laughs> no i, I i'm not opposed <laughs> and you take this and, yeah we'll figure it out we're still figuring out the podcast by the power of friendship uh, <laughs> <laughs> by the power of alchemy here now I'm having flashbacks to on Fortnite. here on the, the game alchemy, alchemy podcast. podcast and that's that <laughs>